is AMEN, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave. I love all alpha male pleasure pursuits. I love my cigars. I love my libations. I love my dames and my harem. Oh, do I ever. Talk about fantastic pleasure maneuvers, especially horizontal pleasure maneuvers. I enjoy grilling, steaks, travel, golf. But at the top of the list, this alpha male in chief, your global five-star general, absolutely loves flight. I love aviation. I love being on the flight line. I always say there is nothing like the smell of Jet A early in the morning. Jet fuel wafting all around me. Of course, no lit cigars around Jet A, or Avgas for that matter. And one of my favorite times of the year is Sun and Fun, the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, Lakeland, Florida. We will commence broadcast maneuvers on the flight line for the next two hours. Long Ash, greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Flying has always been great, so we never have to say make flying great again. Your global five-star Alpha male-in-chief, as I mentioned, from Sun and Fun, the second largest air show in the country, right in the heart of Central Florida. Goes on today and again tomorrow and they call it first in fun fast in flight the 45th anniversary of the sun and fun international flying and expo we've got some great guests that will be joining us for the next two hours this is the one time of year where i get to spout off about one of my great passions and that is aviation and a lot of alphas i know they all say general love being around airplanes love uh, being able to see airplanes. I remember as a kid going to airports, being to touch airplanes, and just the sounds, the noise, the smells. Well, we are right on the flight line the next two hours. And we've got some great guests, as I mentioned. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Jason Shepard of M0A.com. He has revolutionized flight training via the uh, Internet and via YouTube. We will have him and also Stevio One Canivo, professional pilot and YouTuber. He will be joining us. Tons of great videos he uh, shoots in flight. <clears throat> and then the second hour will be joined by Mark Baker, the chief executive officer of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. And we'll wrap it up with John Lights Leanhouts, the president and CEO of Sun and Fun. So we've got a great two hours for you front and center. And you can hear in the background the Thunderbirds that are going to be performing the next, what's that? Oh, the Blue Angels. I'm sorry. I met the Thunderbirds. Thank you, Captain Eric, who I will uh, introduce in just a moment. The Blue Angels. That is correct. They have been doing some practice maneuvers, flying, ready for some of their big exhibits the next day and uh, today and tomorrow. But let me bring in a longtime friend, aviation mentor to me, 
Captain Eric, who is a captain on an Airbus A330 for one of, as they say, the major airlines of the nation and the world. Captain Eric, when you are on my flight deck, I'm the boss. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm the co-pilot, the first officer today. But when I am in your flight deck on the A330, and we've been in the simulator on the A320 and A330 many, many times, I always follow your wise words of wisdom. It has made me a much better pilot. And when I fly, I take pride in the fact that I fly professionally like the ATP, the air transport pilots. There is checklists, everything. There's nothing left to chance. I fly like a professional. That's the only way to fly when it comes to aviation. And Captain Eric, you and uh, Captain Cy Emerus as well, longtime mentors. Well, absolutely, General. And, uh, I mean, I can say without a doubt, I was just talking to one of the guys here that stopped by the tent that recognized you, and we were talking about your airplane and, uh, and your flying ability. And I said, it's truly amazing. Uh, his uh, level of uh, expertise when he climbs in the cockpit. And I remember, I got to love those blue angels, baby. And what do we call that? The sound of freedom, right? The sound of freedom. Oh, outstanding. Anyway, uh, you know, remember when we gave you the uh, a couple manuals to look over? I do. the next thing I know, we're in the simulator. <clears throat> Correct. And you're flying the simulator like a seasoned veteran. Let me take this off here, Steve. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, I've got to say, General, I've never seen a non-airline person, so to speak, fly the simulator as well as you. Uh, amazing. And when we talk about a simulator, I want to give everyone an idea. This is not like a little uh, uh, Xbox game. No. This is a $20 million full-motion FAA-certified flight simulator. Looks, sounds, and feels like the real airplane, responds like the real airplane, the visualization is a full 180, just absolutely incredible. When you're in the clouds, when you're shooting an approach, you feel like you're in the real airplane. I remember we did a flight from Washington National to LaGuardia on the oh, yeah. A330. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hand flew it the entire time, but I remember you put in some thunderstorms along the way, and right. we had to deviate around it. And i got to tell you, there's a pucker factor. You're in that simulator. But you're looking at that big blob of red, and you know what's in there. Right. And we're deviating, and we're picking up some turbulence. You think you're in the real airplane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, the, the thing that always gets me is just the motion part of it, is mm -hmm. the turbulence that you can put in. Even as we were joking around a minute ago about pushing back from the gate, even feeling just the bumps in the, in the taxi route and everything, yep. it's just it's amazing. And so. when you swing around the airplane, pulling on the runway, and you got to swing far and wide because the trucks on that airplane... Yeah, the on the A330 are way behind you, and the nose gear is way behind you. Right. So you got to overshoot the runway. When you turn that hard, it's a little – you've got to get adjusted to that. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it you know you're not physically moving like that, but you think you are. Truly. So it really is fascinating. Truly. No, it is. It's, when you think about the strides that we've made in, uh, in aviation training, now you see all these little simulators and everything, uh, but what we have at the airline is just – it's amazing that you can, the, the level of uh, the realness that you feel, and then everything that you can duplicate in there that you would never want to do in the airplane, you know, pressurization problems, uh, fire problems, whatever. You know, it's amazing. Truly You've amazing. even done uh, uh, aerodynamic stalls and uh, steep 
ultra steep turns. But on the Airbus, we had to take off a lot of the multiple flight computers to be able to manually do that and override because you have something called its alpha prod, isn't it? That protects you past, what, 45 degrees? Yeah, ba basically, we have different... Uh, alpha we, floor, alpha prod. Yeah, we very good. We call them uh, the laws. The laws, of the, the flight laws. That's yep, right. Yep, yep. So it uh, keeps you out of trouble. And we'll get into the Boeing 737 MAX issues. I've hmm. delved into the, la the last uh, three weeks, and we'll get into that because there's some new developments on that. But Captain Eric, you have lived in the Tampa Bay area. First of all, let's talk about your flying career. Okay. You are a captain on the A330. Yes. Prior to that, you were captain on the A320 and also what's called a Czech Airman. Yes. Meaning you actually certify pilots designated by the FAA. You are able to give them a type certificate, any airplane over 12,500 pounds. They have to be certified to fly that specific airplane, and you're the man that gives them the check rides. Yes. In yeah. the simulator. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's correct. Uh, you could go from never seeing the airplane, going through about uh, four weeks of ground school and uh, about three weeks of simulator, and be licensed to fly the airplane without ever really seeing the airplane. Um, of course, in the airline industry, we're all pretty much equally qualified. Everybody pretty much has a college education, uh, some form of professional flying in the background, either military, corporate, commuter, uh, you know, express, whatever. So everybody comes to the airline with, with many, many thousands and thousands of hours. Uh, but like you said, the simulator enables us to train pilots without going out and flying an airplane, doing you know some less than desirable maneuvers that you could not or would not want to duplicate in the airplane. So it's, it's unbelievable. And we are looking at one of the oh, Blue Angels now, wow. just uh, rotating 45 degrees right, 40, actually 90 degrees right, yeah. 90 degree bank left, wow. doing a little uh, inverted flight. And I'll tell you, you know, that's the sound of freedom. How the hell would you like to be on the other end of that, like when you're in Afghanistan? <laughs> the, the sound of, of up S yeah. Creek, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, when you hear those, the found, the, the rumbling of those aircraft, it really is truly amazing and powerful. That, my friends, is the United States of America knocking on your door. But, Captain Eric, let's talk about your flying background. Captain Eric, uh, our guest, longtime friend of the Cigar Dave Show and uh, been to many of our Alpha Pleasure Fests, Charlotte, Buffalo, the Cigar City of Tampa. Captain Eric, talk about your flying background from Indiana originally. Right. Started flying actually when I was at uh, Speedway High School in uh, Indiana, Speedway, Indiana, and then flew at, uh, started out in Air Force ROTC. You'll appreciate this. Jimmy Carter got elected my sophomore year, and they cut all the defense spending, and they gave us the option of staying in or getting out. They said, if you stay in, you'll probably be sitting in a missile silo in South Dakota somewhere. And I said, I want to fly airplanes. And, uh, you know, extremely blessed. It worked out well because I got hired with the airline much sooner than if I would have stayed in the uh, in the Air Force. So I got hired younger, checked out as a captain, much younger and all that stuff. All right, so, so let's talk about your first airline job. Okay. <clears throat> so you learned to fly in a Cessna 150. That's correct. And I learned to fly in a Cessna 152. Two-seater. Yes. 110 horsepower, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, did you have that much? I, yeah. I think it was 90. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I soloed and went up in, with one person. I'm like, man, this thing actually has got yeah. power. I thought I was in a 757. Yeah. It like flew more than 200 feet a minute yeah. of climb speed. So and once I, I got my pilot's license, and I'm sure you're the same, I said, I'm never going in a Cessna 152 again. One navigation and no, communications radio, 
The seats were about maybe 14 inches wide. I'm not sure you, you and I could get in there. Oh, I don't no, think so, there's no. no way. No way. It was a tight squeeze. Literally, if the wind, you didn't even need the wind to blow. If somebody, uh, you know, sneezed, <laughs> the right wing would come up. I mean, that's how, that's how sensitive this airplane, but it's a great training airplane. And everybody, you look at all the major airline captains, many of them all started the same way in a small little Cessna or a Piper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't military, if you did general aviation, pretty much, yeah, everybody started out in either a Cessna or, or a Piper. So you you're, you you get, you have your uh, commercial rating. Yep, I go. so I graduate from Purdue. I went to Purdue, you're a Boilermaker. And, absolutely, yeah. Hey, listen, I was rooting for them. Hey, thanks. In, thanks. The, in, the, in the March Madness, I was rooting for them. Yep, it was. Yep. Should have won that game. Yeah, oh, I know. So um, after Purdue, I flew a corporate for a while, and which was kind of nice. It was. And what a, did you fly? It was a Cessna 310, which is just a six okay. six passenger. Yeah, you know, twin engine. Yeah, twin engine. Is that but I needed, the 310. It is not, and okay. I needed I needed some you know twin engine time. So I flew for this guy. Funny enough, I mean he thought it was a Learjet. So we're flying all over the country in this thing, and it was great because it was a great way to build time. But from there, I left to go uh, where I met. Captain Sai on the jump seat. I went to New Jersey to fly for a commuter airline, an Allegheny commuter airline out there, flying a 19-passenger Twin Otter. A de Havilland Twin Otter. Yeah, yeah, no it. flight attendant or anything. They still fly those down yeah. in the Caribbean islands. Yeah, absolutely. No air conditioning. And, and the throttles are up top, not on the right. bottom. It's kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. But it's a pretty solid airplane. Yeah, built like a tank. So yeah. Slow, but uh, it was it was great. Turbine airplane, so I built my time there. And then I got hired by the airline in 1982. And this was U.S. Air, not Allegheny. Yeah, you, U.S. Air. Al U.S. Air. U.S. Air. So you, now, you met Captain Sai. When Captain Sai was the captain on what, a, a Bach 111? It was a Bach 111. Which, talk about a tank. That airplane, the BAC 111, the British airplane, yes. was a kind of similar to the DC-9, but that thing was built like an absolute brick tank. It was. It was a tank. It was Once again, it was very slow, uh, our max altitude, because we didn't have an oxygen system on that, 25,000 feet. Oh, really? On the box? Yeah, yeah no, I, no oxygen I system. I never knew that. And and actually, Mohawk Airlines flew those, and then when Allegheny and Mohawk merged, exactly. they got those airplanes. So Captain Sai, you meet, he was a captain, you're jump-seating while on. Now, what was the airline that you were with the with the Allegheny Commuter. Allegheny which, Commuter. Which was a U.S. Air Commuter at the okay, time, you know, feeder. Allegheny Commuter. So yeah. tell us the great story about how you met and what he said to you. There's a water well, analogy in there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going from Philadelphia to Indianapolis, and, and he graciously let me sit up there, this snot-nosed kid, you know, and just like, to me, it was like the space shuttle. As far as I was concerned, I didn't know, you know, Bach 111 was not all that at that time. But uh, I'm sitting up there, and he asked me, what I flew, and I told him, and he said, "So what's a what's a co-pilot on a on a twin otter make?" You know, and I thought, which was kind of bold, but you know, you had a pay stub. I did. I had a pay stub in my jacket, but I mean, you showed it to him. I absolutely, and I showed him, and I can remember what it was. It was two hundred sixty-two dollars, and he says, "You know what?" He said to me back in nineteen eighty-two. He said, "That doesn't seem right." It was eighty-one. He said, "That's not that bad." You know, that's let's see, let's do the math. That's a thousand dollars a month to live on for a co-pilot, single, whatever, and everything. You could get by on that. And I said, uh, "Excuse me, uh, Captain, that's that's for two weeks." And he said, <laughs> "No, wait, wait. You make a hundred and thirty-one dollars a week." <laughs> I said, uh, "Yeah, unfortunately." And he said, "Kid, I don't want to upset you too much, but uh, I got to tell you," he said, hundred and thirty-one dollars a week. He said, "Yeah, I guess." My Perrier bill runs more than that a week. So, 
So great story. It is a great story. And who would have ever known that that he and I would have ended up flying together? Exactly. And Good friends, together. and then all of us together, kind of how and we that, all met. And that's how you and I met through Captain Sai. Through Captain Sai, yeah. exactly. And I should say that Captain Sai, also a flying mentor of mine and great friend, like a brother, Captain Sai retired as the number two seniority captain at U.S. Air. Yes. U.S. Airways. Yes. Flying the A330, he was the first pilot at U.S. Airways to be checked out in an A330. He went to Toulouse, France, got checked out, then came back and taught all the other captains right. at That's U.S. Air. And he was obviously uh, highly thought of. To get to number two seniority is off the charts. Right, right. But he was very highly respected and uh, knew back when Ed Kolodny ran Allegheny, great airline, yeah. knew everybody, some great stories there. And then you, you and I obviously got together and got to know each other. And then from there, you started at uh, at at U.S. Air US as Air. a flight engineer, correct? Yeah, we just talked, remember? We just got on the 727 yeah, here at Sun and Fun. There's an old FedEx Piedmont 727. We walk through it, and they you can see the uh, flight deck, the cockpit. And you said, that used to be my office yeah, right there, the flight guy, engineer. Yeah, the guy, the guy, there's a, a young guy over there, and he says, so, do you guys have any questions about this airplane? <laughs> <laughs> the general says, uh... Excuse me, son, but he used to fly this airplane, so he can answer them all. Yeah, he'll answer them for me. So, uh, yeah, the so. kid's like, okay. <laughs> so, I, so I, how long were you on the seven twenty seven? On the seven twenty seven for a year. That and, was a great airplane. Oh, great yeah, airplane. Yeah, it was fast and it was just comfortable it was great, for, great, great. for passengers. It, yeah, it rode just so well and big three engines. Yep, yep, yep. Built like a tank, and then uh, the, I actually went to the Bach one eleven. Then oh, I did. So uh, after the Bach DC nine. MD-80, the Airbus 320, then the 7576 Boeing, and now the 330. Now, let's talk about what was your favorite plane of all time to fly? General, that would have to be your airplane uh, <laughs> serving as your co-pilot. That's true. So, Alpha Army 1. That's, yeah, that's I mean, correct. That, that goes without saying. That, so. That's true. But no, the, the, every pilot I know loves the DC-9. You know? Love the DC-9. Uh, that's and it, you could do things with that airplane that you couldn't do with anything else. You know, you start throwing stuff out like the slats and gear and everything, 250 knots and everything. So you could really. But I think my favorite airplane probably, and I, probably a lot of guys that are listening to this may laugh about this, but I always enjoyed the MD-80. It was kind of a challenge to land and everything, but the cockpit was ultra quiet. So I always liked the the MD-80. Now, so I mean, the MD-80, now Bach 111, you told me you were coming back, I think going into New York. Through New York State, hit the worst turbulence of your life. You Ever. thought that Bach 111 was going to, the tail was going to fly I, off. I, I literally thought I was going to hear the wings clapping over my head. I mean, it just was turbulence like I've. Really? Since, I've never been in since then. No and, kidding. Uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. And that was the days of the old little green one monochrome yeah. radar. Not yeah. great. Not yeah, like the, today. On the captain's side, and he's driving us through this thing, and it's just like, you know, we got. We got into where we shouldn't have been, but it just—it was the technology wasn't there. It, that doesn't happen now. You no, stay today it's just now. just totally yeah. different. Yep. And now you fly the now you the seven five seven. That's a sports car to fly. That's a great very bird. sexy airplane. Looking at that yeah. airplane on the ground, yes, it says I deserve to be flying right now. <laughs> I belong in the air. Yeah. That just it. Some airplanes, not in motion on the ground just look like they belong in the air, and that was one of them. And the mistake that Boeing made, which is a great transition momentarily, is they did not design a clean sheet a plane for the 737 replacement. And the 737 MAX 
which was a derivative of the 737s from 1968. Just didn't have the height, the fuselage. Where you look at a Boeing 757 with those big RB211 Rolls-Royce Ultra high-bypass turbofan engines, you got plenty of clearance. That's what they should have done. But before we go to that, Captain Eric, how do you like flying the A330? You flew the A320, oh. the uh, fly-by-wire. I love it. Different it. airplane. I'm hoping that uh, I'll be afforded the opportunity to fly it for the next, I've got three and a half years before I have to retire. So I'm hoping that I can just stay put on the 330. It's, it's a great airplane. Um, lots of room in the cockpit. It has a side stick, so there's no yoke, you know, stuck between your legs. And you can, it's a real gentleman's airplane. Um, I've got a table that I can pull out at 41,000 feet to eat my hot fudge sundae. Um, you know, it's great. And I, I just do uh, Europe once a week. Is, that's kind of. Uh, What's your favorite? What was your favorite? Or what is or what it was your favorite destination? I like Munich. München. München. Like yeah. Tel Aviv, too, you told me. I, yeah, I, that was always Tel Aviv, easily my favorite. Yeah, easily my favorite. Yeah. But uh, since we get pulled out of Tel Aviv now, Munich is. Uh, München. Yeah, say hello to Angela Merkel. Yeah. Uh, you can take my German shepherds. They're their they're <laughs> ancestral homeland. And yeah. I, although when I told them, hey, you want to go with Captain Eric to Germany, they looked and said, woof, woof. Hell yeah. no, we're not going to s with her. Yeah. Forget I, it. I was going to say, are you drawing some parallel there between uh, Sultan and Baron and Angela? No, or? no, oh, okay, no. All right. Okay, yeah, all they're right. better looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. But. Far better looking. Yeah. Uh, how many flight hours do you have total? Uh, around 20,000. I, I kind of... You uh, put me to shame. Well, you know what, though? I, I, I Probably I could have had a lot more, but I spent so many years uh, in the office and in the simulator. Yeah, so right. You're, you're, of, you're, you, you were yeah. major training. Yeah. So that was fun. That was, that's a cool, cool thing. Yeah, and I remember yeah. going in at 2, 3 in the morning with you numerous oh. times, flying oh, yeah. and said, I can get you in at 2. I'm like, I'm yeah. there. Yeah, no problem. 6 a.m. I'm there, ready to go. Yeah, I miss those days. We're ready to go. All right, we just got about a minute left. And... Uh, we're not going to have enough time to get into the Boeing thing, but we'll pick it up a little bit later on in the show because I want to talk about Boeing because this past week it came out that the two Ethiopian Airlines pilots, they followed Boeing's revised procedure after the Lion Air crash back in October, November. They followed it to the T, and the plane still went down. Boeing's got a big, massive problem on their hands. Frankly, I think the confidence in the 737 MAX by the flying public and by pilots alike, permanently, permanently tarnished. And if I was an airline that had a 737 MAX order, now Southwest won't do this because they're all a 737 shop, I would nix the order, go to Airbus or say to Boeing, come up with a new clean sheet design or we'll go somewhere else. End of discussion. All right, we will continue from the flight line at the 45th Annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo from Lakeland Linner International Regional Airport, I should say, Lakeland, Florida, in the heart of the Sunshine States. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars, info on the show each week, and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior
superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. and gentlemen, welcome aboard Alpha Army One with service to Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as your global aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave, has the controls. You are in absolute good hands. We're joined front and center on the flight line at Sun and Fun. We've got Captain Eric, and we've got two special guests, one repeat guest and one a... Uh, Guest virgin, if you will. First up, we've got Jason Shepard of M0A.com. And appropriate, we're playing Learning to Fly because, Jason, you have revolutionized, really, taken flight training into the 21st century. Building on the backs, we've got John and Martha King, who also were here. I'm sure you bought their tapes way back. Of course I did. VHS, that was huge. Don't have one anymore, VHS player. Yes, But you have made the jump to the 21st century. And also, we've got... Uh, Steve-O, one Canivo, professional pilot and YouTuber. I'd, I'd say professional YouTuber as well. Great aviation adventures from the cockpit. I just saw you did one in a Cirrus and also in a, I want to say, a uh, Cessna stationaire coming from a very cool place in Georgia. Heaven's Landing. Heaven's Landing. We just went over oh, there yeah. and picked it Absolutely. up, and I said, I've got to watch his tape again because I want to fly in there, but it looks quite challenging. It's a great place to fly into. It's one of the most beautiful approaches I think I've ever done in my life. It was, it was amazing. Definitely heavens on, heaven on earth. <laughs> Well, the, the gals that were at the Heavens, uh, Heavens uh, on Earth uh, booth, oh, yeah, they were, got, they got they angels pretty, in the booth. They were, they were very <laughs> angelic, too. We're going to add them to the harem. So I want to get in both because both of you guys have really harnessed the 21st century. So first up, Jason, we talked last year. I discovered you just doing a Google search, and I think I saw you over here. And I bought, Actually, it was the AOPA fly-in yes. at Peter O'Night Airport in you're Tampa, right, you're right. and I bought a couple of your books. And, you know, as pilots, as an aviator, we always want, just like a golfer, we want the best golf shot, the best landing available, and it's always a challenge. Every Captain Eric, you've yes. got 20,000 flight hours on the A330. Yes. Every landing, you want to be a greaser. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, you want to do it for the pastures, but there's a little bit of, you know, narcissism <laughs> uh, involved in that as well. Right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of narcissism. <laughs> absolutely. You know, like, if I've had a landing, and I'm like, eh, that was about an eight. Passengers are like, what seemed okay to me? I go, we walked away from it. Yeah, right. sure, it was great. Right. But I want that 10. You don't even feel the mains touching down. You yeah. want that nose wheel off. And you provided a great, just free information yes. 
that I have learned on crosswinds and, and even communication, and a good pilot is a learning pilot. Always learning. You're exactly right, Dave. And, and you're right. We've we've harnessed the 21st century. Gone are VHS tapes. Even we don't. Many people don't even have DVD players now. Gone. So we're uploading all our content to YouTube. We have a freemium business model. I always say, if you love the free content we put out there, imagine the great paid content as well. So when you're doing a Google search for steep turns and slow flight and stalls and everything else, uh, really to hold your hand. Uh, did you have a fear of stalling, Dave? Or what was your what was your big struggle in your flight train? A lot of people are f afraid of stalls or turning stalls, whatever that may be. Uh, turning stalls, you're always worried you're going to wing over. Oh yeah, Spin but it. I would say crosswind landings because yep. I had an instructor that really never he, he kind of taught me the slip you know method where uncoordinated flight I could never it's get tough. it. I go in the simulator with Captain Eric and my buddy Captain Cy. They're like, "What are you doing?" And I said. Well, I'm trying to cross control. They go, you you're it. in an Airbus, man. Grab it. <laughs> Grab you're working it. Yep. too hard. Once I did that, all my, my uh, crosswind landings, all of a sudden, everything just aha moment. It takes a no click problem. like that. And that's what we try to provide through our YouTube videos, the best of our ability, teaching these great tips. Someone struggles with landings. It's either about airspeed or where you're putting your eyes. You're too fast or too slow, or you're looking too close over the cowling, looking at that first centerline stripe. Take those eyes down that runway, right? If that ground's sneaking up on you. It's airspeed and eyes, the two big saviors of landings. And somebody that's watched your many of your, your uh, videos on YouTube, on the internet, you are your approach is the exact same way you and I talking as it is on video. And I think there is a very comforting, uh, big comforting factor for student pilots because you get that grip, that, you know, uh, uh, death grip. Yes. And let's face it, it's a lot of unknowns. And there's nothing worse than when an instructor says, we're going to do aerodynamic stalls and you don't know what's going on. Right. You have a great way of introducing students to new material and simplifying it. So at the end, you're like, I get it now. Yes. So really a great job on that. What courses are available? We've got a lot of people saying, you know, I've, I've, I've always been interested in flying. Maybe I want to learn sure. to get my pilot's license. You have multiple courses Absolutely. available. A lot so, of free material, but Absolutely. paid courses. Our paid courses, we go all the way actually from drones, earning your Part 107 commercial drone certificate, all the way up to being a CFI and eventually ATP. Which We're, is a certified flight instructor. Exactly. And ATP air transport pilots. Exactly. So you have instrument on there as well. Of course, Private, you have commercial, everything multi, else in there. Multi-engine, multi everything else everything. is included in there. And where I always tell people to start, we talked about this last year, is I have a book, a free book actually called The Private Pilot Blueprint. It's everything I wish someone would have told me before I started my flight training, how to save time and money through the entire process and really kind of hold in their hand through all that. Finding a great flight instructor. Did you know you get the same blue certificate whether you fly in a Cessna 150 or you fly in that Cirrus? Whatever it may be, you have to find what best suits you, your budget, your time, and everything else like that, holding their hand through the process. Because aviation, people love it, but how do I get started? And that's the purpose of that book there. I learned to start learning to fly in college at Syracuse University, I think it was 1985. And I can tell you that my first in-flight instructor, I had him for 10 hours. I ended up going to the flight school saying, we're not on the same page. Yes. He doesn't communicate at all. I have no idea. The first time we're going out, we're doing steep turns and stalls. Very first flight. I don't know what's going on. doesn't explain it. And the head of the flight school said, you got to be 100% comfortable. He said, I want you to talk to other uh, flight instructors. Saw one where we just connected, communicated. And he said, no, no, we're not doing stalls. We're not going to do steep turns. Let's just fly the airplane and just have a little fun. Yes. Let's learn basic turns. Let's take off, land. And then everything built from there. And that really 
set me on the right course. Steve-O, one Canivo. Yeah, thanks for having me on great board to, here, Cedar Dave. Great to have you on. i got to tell you that I've enjoyed your videos. I love just sitting in my uh, great room on my big screen TV, pulling up the YouTube app, Subscribe to your channel, watching some great uh, great videos. I remember you had one where you had a lot of crosswinds going into the Bahamas. Yeah, 25. And you were working that yoke, and I'm like, man, he's working too hard. Man, there's a lot of work going on there. <laughs> That's the thing with the Bahamas. You know, you don't have a lot of multiple runways to choose from. No, you, you don't. You got one. You're <laughs> and, uh, it. You're it. So tell us about your background. You're from Wisconsin originally. Where in Wisconsin? I grew up in Wisconsin, Eau Claire, and I joined the Coast Guard to get out of the uh, Midwest. I like the ocean. I went, did four years in the Coast Guard. After I got out of there, I decided I want to start flying airplanes. I had the Montgomery GI Bill from in, being in the military, helped pay 60% of all my ratings after the private, which was really a big help. I really didn't even want to be do uh, aviation as a career when I first started. I just really liked, enjoyed flying airplanes. I always wanted to do it when I was a kid. So here was the opportunity to get this done. So, you know, I got my ratings all down in South Florida. And uh, the job opportunities just started coming along. And uh, it was something I really wanted to pursue and make a career out of, you know, after you start doing it. What year did you start flying? Uh, I think it was around 2006. What was the first plane you flew? Uh, 172. 172. I was 152. He's a 150. And I, I, as I, I t tell the story all the time, once I got my license, I said, I'm never going in a 152 again. <laughs> exactly. And I never have gone in a 152. <laughs> and when I went to assess the 172, I, I said, wow, man, I've gone from a 152 to an L-1011. <laughs> I mean, this thing is huge compared. <laughs> big, big difference. So you started out, like a lot of people, 172. And tell us how you started to become a professional pilot. Yeah, I, I didn't go the traditional route. That was back when you could actually get hired. At uh, I started on a 121 regional airline out of South Florida. And uh, I started flying Metroliners as a co-pilot. I don't know if you know Metroliners. They're old and there's no autopilot. I call them a cigar airplane <laughs> yeah. because those Metroliners, that was the... Um, what was uh, who made that airplane again? Uh, Fairchild. Fairchild. Yeah. Fairchild. Exactly right. In fact, uh, the the Metroliner and there was another one that was uh, a friend of mine used to fly for a guy that just as a private plane. I'm trying to remember what that model was, but the he Merlin. Used to, the Merlin. He used to call it the Cigar Merlin because it looked like uh, a yeah. long giant Corona. Is what it looked like. Yeah, and so I got hired at 400 hours total time, and I'll tell you right now, you really don't know what you're doing at 400 hours. Not at all. <laughs> so not at all. Um, you know, I'm glad that the regulations have actually changed a little bit for the safety of, you know, the public. I agree. Um, yeah, so I, I was a co-pilot, and, you know, there's no autopilot, and we were doing a lot of hours, long days, and you're, you're as the co-pilot, you are the autopilot for that captain. He puts you on those controls for a long period of time. So, you know, I racked up a lot of time flying the Metroliners and then transitioned over to Saab 340s, which is a lot of fun, that airplane. Was that American Eagle you transitioned to? Uh, it was actually Florida Coastal Airlines. Florida Coastal, okay. Called. Yeah, Saab 340, pretty good uh uh, turboprop airplane. Yeah, Starting to retire him now. Yeah, and at one point, uh, you know, I knew I had tons of time as co-pilots, and I knew from my resume, uh, a company gave me an opportunity to fly King Airs and Caravans uh, PIC, and some people were pilot like, in command. Yeah, uh, pilot in command, so a single pilot, and you know, some people were like, "Oh, you're going to leave flying a Saab 340 to go fly a car smaller caravans and King Airs," but to me, I I knew that's where I wanted to go for my resume. And I enjoy, I actually, I love flying single pilot. To me, like, I love the challenge of it. Um, I'm, you don't have to deal with a grumpy captain or co-pilot. Captain Eric uh, Tate. He's never yeah. grumpy. Come on. Are you kidding? The whole ride over hey, to Munich on. or to Rome, he's like, oh, where do we take you to this restaurant? We're going to go have a cigar That's here. It, yeah. I mean, he knows well, all the sounds places. Like, sounds he's like Captain Eric would be a lot of fun to fly. Captain with. Eric is a lot of fun. My motto, my motto is it's nice to be important. But it's more important to be nice. There you go. So that's, good. You. that's it. Have a good time. You know, that's why we're in, we, we all love aviation, because it is something that's fun, that's enjoyable. Most of the time, we always say. So you, you end up, tell us how you made the transition 
to becoming a YouTuber and having all these videos of you in the cockpit on numerous types of aircraft uh, available. I mean, there's, there's, you got to have a couple hundred on there. Yeah, it's well over a hundred. I started on YouTube, I think around 2006 also, uh, is when I started my YouTube account. And I originally just started posting videos of aviation, like footage, along with music. Where the big transition of my channel came is one simple cord that I bought. It was an aviation, GoPro aviation audio cable. A $50 cable, I was like, my gosh, that's a lot of money for one little cable. But the amount of opportunities that have come out of just being able to talk to the camera while right. I'm flying has been ama amazing. Right, absolutely. And it's cool to put the GoPro, but when you m pair it up with the audio and you can talk and hear AT's air traffic control, that really is very, very cool. And when you think about it, GoPros have revolutionized. You wouldn't be in business if there wasn't a GoPro. Yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, these cameras, we're professional broadcasters. I remember when I was in high school, an RCA TK76 that weighed about 30 pounds on your shoulder with a, v, a, a, a pack, a beta pack on your other shoulder, about 100 pounds between them. That was probably a $50,000 unit. Today, these GoPros are fit in your hand, and the quality of video is through the roof. It's, it's fantastic. 4K. You know, you can upload 4K. 4K. Uh, it's really, really unbelievable how things have changed. So you started that, and you just started this following. People started following you. Yeah. How I do, with my videos, a lot of aviation pilots, really, they don't come across like this, but when I am flying an airplane, every single thing I'm thinking about or, you know, I'm doing with the airplane, I speak it out loud. Right. So there, if I'm thinking something, I'm saying, you know, this is what I'm thinking about, or when I'm touching a button, I'm telling them why I'm touching the button and what that button's doing. So when I do a YouTube video, there's two things I say that the viewers like to have. They want to be entertained, and they also want to learn something. Right. You know, those are two key points to a good video. Entertainment information. Yeah. Is what I exactly right. And, you know, when you look at, we see the changes in television and reality TV. This is the best form of reality TV if you're a pilot or an aviation enthusiast. I know a lot of people have said, I've never flown an airplane in my life, but I love flying. I love to see it. I love to hear about it. And it's really changed things the last five years, but really the last number of years, being able to watch, Jason, your videos on an iPhone or an iPad or, uh, or Steve-O, same thing. Just being able to, just when you want something to watch at night. It's far better than network television, I can yes. tell you that. And you never run out of content. We will continue our conversation from the flight line at the 45th annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. Got Captain Eric. We've also got Jason Shepard of M0A.com and Stevo one Kenevo, professional pilot and YouTuber. If you go to, just do a Google search, Stevo one Kenevo, S-T-E-V-E-O, one Kenevo, K-I-N-E-V-O.com. Uh, everything is there, all the links, and also we're going to have the links at CigarDave.com and social media. M, actually I found out, Jason, M, the letter Z-E-R-O-A or M, the number zero A.com will both, both work. Both work, man. Smart man. Thought of that one. You thought of that one. You know what? You're definitely an alpha and you're definitely an aviator. <laughs> no doubt about it. you got a future in this business. We will continue from the flight line around the corner. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app. For Apple, Android, and Kindle devices, you can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. America is under attack. 
basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Cigar connoisseurs and enthusiasts love going into their retailer's humidor and seeing what's new, what's exciting. It's like a kid in a candy store. And we've got a great way that you can enjoy and sample fabulous cigars from incredible manufacturers. It's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Every month, you will receive three fantastic cigars in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch shipped directly to you for $22.95. Now, in the past year, we've had incredible selections. We had the world of Davidoff, which featured an Avo and a Davidoff Winston Churchill. We've had cigars from A.J. Fernandez, from Rocky Patel, from Placencia, Drew Estate, Syndicato, Fonseca. Incredible cigars that you will love. Become a member of the Officers Club today. Join now. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You will absolutely love it. Alpha Male Pleasure in the Stratosphere. Oh, sort of like the Mile High Club. This is the Cigar Dave Show from the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo in Lakeland, Florida. And now, your aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave. Great privilege to have fantastic guests with us uh, in the remaining of this half hour. We've got Captain Eric, A330 Captain on a major airline. By the way, Captain Eric... Your Instagram, how many followers do you have now? Uh, a little over 35,000. 35,000. It is Eric, E-R-I-C-D, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, Eric D. Jordan for Instagram. And we've also got Jason Shepard of M0A.com and Steve-O1 Knievo, professional pilot and YouTuber, as well as all the other social media. Jason, in my hand, I've got the private Pilot Blueprint, and if you go to privatepilotblueprint.com, you can get the book, and it also talks about uh, ways that you can make sure you don't waste your money, because flying is not an inexpensive endeavor, but by the way, i got to tell you, there's a picture of you next to your Cessna 172. You are a suit looking very corporate, Jason. i got to tell you, it worries me. I want to be like you when I grow up, Dave. Oh, yeah. There you go. Very corporate, (laughs) i got to tell you. Very corporate. Pretty soon, you're going to have... Committees and lots of meetings, I can tell. <laughs> and harems. Uh, and harem's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to have. Uh, so tell us, Private Pilot Blueprint, the definitive roadmap to saving time and money on your private pilot certificate. You don't know what you don't know. I wish I had this when I learned to fly. Absolutely. And I'm going to use the example you talked about with finding a flight instructor that just didn't fit with you. 
You know, when I was doing my commercial pilot certificate back in 2006, 2007, the airlines were hiring like crazy. I got passed around to eight different flight instructors because if you had time in your logbook and a heartbeat, everybody and their brother wanted to hire you at that time. So I had eight different CFIs for my commercial pilot certificate. And this instructor knew I was great at slow flight, but I was terrible at steep turns, whatever it may be. And that never got translated and passed on to the next student, the next instructors. That's what really made it all so difficult working through that here. So again, going back, and one thing I teach in there is to find a, find a CFI that works with you, works for you. Find a CFI that works for your schedule. If maybe Cigar Dave, you say, listen, Jason, I can only fly on the weekends. And I say, weekends don't work for me. I want to fly Monday through Friday. You have to find someone that works for your schedule, right. your personality, within your budget as well with that. And I need to come and visit you in Ocala because I want to get my seaplane rating. And you, as a certified flight instructor and CFII instrument instructor, yes. you also can teach in a seaplane. Seaplane. What is it, about eight hours, ten hours? It's, a, it's around that. Someone of your skill level, though, Dave, it's going to be less. I hear that is the most fun <laughs> rating of any rating to get. There's something romantic about standing on the float of an old Piper Cub and having to hand prop it and then hop back in. Oh, no, no. I'm not hand propping it. That I can tell you. <laughs> that the general doesn't do. However, if you want to hand prop it, you can get back in. But there is something very cool about landing on a lake or landing oh, yeah. on water where you've got this, you know, instead of a strip, you're looking at a giant, you know, opportunity to land. It's beautiful, but the, the beauty is difficult in that way. It is. The choppy weather, is, the choppy water is actually much easier for depth perception. Glassy water landings, one of the hardest things you'll do in a seaplane. Really? It, it's... In, you don't have depth perception on glassy water. If it's, if it's perfectly still, you don't know when the water is coming, but you know it's coming. Whereas if there's a little bit of a chop, a little bit of a wave, it, it. it's just like a runway. I can actually see the water coming. Well, that's why I'm going to a pro like you, Jason, because you are going to guide me on the right path. And uh, Steve-O One Canevo, YouTuber, professional pilot, tell us about your next video. What was the last video you did? Well, the last one uh, was actually the last uh, Sun and Fun I flew with the Aeroshell team. And I did a really cool video where uh, Speedo, the number two pilot for the Aeroshell team, uh, brought me up board. And we uh, did a whole video together, you know, showcasing what they do. But next week's going to be pretty exciting. I'll be flying here with Jason for my first official tailwheel lesson. And uh, we're going to fly a 1940 J3 Cub. And we're going to do some cool landings on a grass strip. I'm going to attempt to land it, you know, for the first time. And my first official uh, flight lesson. It's, it's a lot of fun. And it's going to be really exciting. Being that I am on a tricycle type of gear, as most airplanes are today, what's the biggest challenge, Jason, in landing a tail dragger like the DC-3 or that Cub? Because to me, I look at it and I said, it's kind of weird taxing. You're, you're up about 30 degrees at an angle. What's the biggest challenge? It, on the landings, it's all about leverage. Think, in a, in a standard tricy uh, tricycle gear airplane, the distance from the nose wheel to the main wheels is very, very short. Right. There's less opportunity for that airplane to get, we call it, squirrely. Right. Whereas if you look at a Piper Cub, the mains are so far up front, and that tail wheel is another you know, 10 feet back behind you, that tail wheel can come and wrap around you real quick, and that's called a ground loop. And that tail comes around and doesn't make for a very good day. So you have to land those mains straight and keep that tail straight. Crosswind landings and a tail wheel, uh, that's prime uh, ground looping territory there. Well, I can tell you that our uh, mutual uh, friend, Captain uh, Cy Emerus, retired as the number two seniority captain at U.S. Airways. Got to be about 10 years ago now. Flew the A330, the first one at U.S. Airways to fly the A330 and became the Czech airman for U.S. Airways. His first professional pilot job with... Uh, Allegheny Airlines as a first officer on a DC-3. Wow. 
<laughs> so when you look at the DC-3s, you come in here yeah. at the sun and fun, you look at that saying, that's got to be weird, climbing up at an angle and yes. talk about, that's also a major challenge. Uh, I want to tell everyone, if you are interested in purchasing anything from M0A, let's, I think we're going to share this with all of our Cigar Dave listeners. You go to M0A.com, use the promo code SNF30, that is Sierra November Foxtrot 3-0, you get 30% off. So we're going to share that with you. You have to be at Sun and Fun, but Jason, we appreciate that. Steve-O One Canevo, a professional pilot and YouTuber, also available on Twitter and all the other social media. Continued success. Great job. Really enjoy your videos. Thank I'm you, glad Scott you could both join us Thank today. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you. We have much more coming your way in hour number two from the flight line at the 45th Annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo. Mark Baker, CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, will be joining us. We'll be conducting the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. And we'll be joined by Lights Leanhouts, the CEO of Sun and, Un Sun and Fun. Much more coming your way. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show. from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. Day. What an absolutely gorgeous day at the 45th Annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo on the flight line. 80 degrees, low humidity, blue skies with some scattered clouds, being around airplanes, talking airplanes and aviation, cigars. We've got our libation ceremony coming up momentarily. Life is Good, and we welcome you back for our number two, along with my special co-host for our number, well, the entire show, Captain Eric, <laughs> A330 Captain Extraordinaire, will be joined in just a few minutes by Mark Baker, the Chief Executive Officer of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, and at the bottom of the hour, Lights Leanhouse, the President and CEO of Sun and Fun, will be joining us. But first up, we need to get to a very important piece of business. And that, of course, is litation and libation ceremonies. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation check. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Sergeant Steve is so excited, he wanted, to, he wanted to hit the end so he could go to the flight line. I mean, he wants to go see the airplanes. But we've got a special cigar, one of the March 2019 Officers Club selections. There were two Gurkha Marquesas and a Gurkha Ghost. A sleek, alluring cigar with a beautiful, dark Brazilian Arapiraca Maduro wrapper, an aged Criollo 1998 binder. Dominican Nicaraguan fillers, a rich, medium-bodied cigar, notes of cocoa, cinnamon, a fabulous cigar. Gotten lots of great comments, and there's a reason why when the Gurkha Ghost was launched a few years ago, it started flying off retailer shelves. A magnificent cigar. And now I've got to find my cutting device. I've got a bat type of 
double-edged stainless steel guillotine. I will cut the end of my cigar. And I've got the Cigar Dave Mala. Make America Lightate again lighter. <laughs> Big jet flame. Actually, Captain Eric, wow. I say you put three of these on the back of a uh, 727, and you've got, you've got, uh, you're ready to go. Or the back of your car. It's just like being on a 727. I will. Can you point that away from my eyebrows, well, please? It is a wow. massive flame, wow. and I will puff right. and rotate. Yes, yes. Taking my time. Mm. And again, not wow. a lot of wind today, but you definitely need a lightation device yes. that can handle wind. Okay. Excellent. Thank now. Thank you. Eight hours bottle to throttle. No boozy on the flight line. That is the rule. So we need something cool and refreshing on this warm day at Sun and Fun. It is our tradition. We have some cool, refreshing, fresh squeeze lemonade. You can hear it. Four lemons with water and ice. I use stevia. A little bit of sweet and low for you. Yes. Sergeant Steve goes old-fashioned sugar. But let me take a sip. Mmm. From my large plastic souvenir cup. <laughs> Actually, I still have about four of these. Every year I come to Sun and Fun, I get one of these things. Mmm. You know... Refreshing. There's nothing like natural, mm. real, cool, crisp lemonade on a warm day. Now, Captain Eric, I want to bring you in. I've been talking about the 737 Max issue the last two, three weeks here on the show. Great reporting by the Seattle Times and the Wall Street Journal. It has come out this week that the Ethiopian Airlines pilots followed the amended procedure when there was either a runaway trim or an MCAS issue, their maneuvering uh, augmentation system that Boeing had to concoct because they could not design an airplane that was inherently stable from the beginning because they had to stretch and stretch and stretch a 1968 Boeing 737 fuselage. They needed bigger engines, and to accommodate that, they had to raise the engines forward of the wing and higher redesign the landing gear, all of a sudden it changes the CG, the center of gravity, and you've got an inherently unstable aircraft. Well, it turns out that Boeing came out with amended instruction after the Lion Air crash. The cockpit data recorder and uh, voice recorder, turns out the two pilots of Ethiopian Airlines were following the procedure to the T. They disconnected what was needed to be done. They used the manual trim wheel, which is obsolete in any modern-day aircraft. However, there's a little unknown pitfall that every time you use, there was so much pressure on that jack screw that you have to release pressure on the yoke. You actually have to almost pull back, release, and then you, you, you use the trim. Well, Boeing didn't say that. Not too many pilots know about that. Boeing is in a big hurt and big load of trouble. And I believe, Captain Eric, you tell me, if I am a captain, a first officer, a pilot, a passenger, a flight attendant, I have no confidence in a Boeing 737 MAX. Well, I mean, I don't know how to answer that, uh, General. It's, it's, just, it's such a heartbreaker that, uh, that this has happened and that it's, it, it appears at this point that there could have been a fix or uh, I, I don't know. But well, how on earth does Boeing sell a system where the only one angle of attack sensor as standard and no warning light in the cockpit as standard. In fact, now it looks like there may have been a bird strike or debris that hit that angle of attack indicator, which rendered it useless. 
Why do we fly with dual radios? Why do we fly with dual autopilots? Why is there redundancy and, and uh, quadrundancy built into airplanes? Because things and systems fail. And how Boeing could let an airplane out of their factory with safety, uh, important safety items as optional is beyond the realm of, of uh, I just, uh, it, it's, it's unfathomable to me. No, it is. How they it could is. do that. And for Boeing to sit there and initially try to blame the Lion Air pilots and foreign airplane training, again, unconscionable. And I know that there have been pilots at American and some at Southwest that said, we never saw anything about this MCAS system. And it came out also this week that engineers at Boeing had an opportunity. They wanted to take the latest and greatest state-of-the-art avionics and really make that a smart airplane like the Airbus. However, the reason the engineers didn't is because of pressure from management. They wanted to keep it very similar to the old 737s. In the contracts with all the airlines, there's a $1 million rebate in the event that more than one hour of a iPad type of ground instruction was necessary. If pilots had to go into the simulator to learn new systems, a million dollars for every plane that Boeing delivered to these airplanes. Now, you tell me that there is not a, uh, a little issue going on there where Boeing had the opportunity in the, in the 21st century to say, we're going to put a avionics package that is as good as general aviation. Captain Eric, you saw the general aviation avionics, state-of-the-art moving maps and, and autopilots with an automatic level button and weather, all sorts of things. Boeing had to stay in the 1980s because airlines said, well, we don't want to change anything. Otherwise, it's going to cost us money to put pilots in a simulator. Again, money over safety. Boeing should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly hope when this is all said and done that that's not going to be what the findings are as far as uh, safety versus the financial side. But that's always been, uh, you know, a big part of uh of aviation within with, within our community, unfortunately, you you look at your training cost. Um, if you know, once I, I don't know anything about the 737 Max. I've never flown that airplane. I flew the 7576, and I flew the 727. All great airplanes, but they did not have any you know systems like this on board. The Airbus, we've got you know, what we talked about earlier about our uh, flight laws that protect us. But you know, it's like triple redundancy on our stuff. So I just, I don't. And you can still manually control the plane. There's Absolute. ways to do that. You now, turn the computers off very easily. And if we've you done need that to. when we, we've we been have. in the simulator we and have. done uh, steep turns and stalls yeah. and, and other maneuvers. But here's something that's very interesting about the 737 MAX. When you look at a 757 and 767, which you flew, clean sheet designs. Yes. Okay, they didn't say we're going to take a 707 and we're going to stretch it and widen it. They said clean sheet design. Had they done that with the with the new initially they were going to call it the 7x7 or the 797 or 7 whatever it was, essentially they would have not had the issue with the center of gravity to create a system that overrides the pilot unbeknownst to them because the new clean sheet design would have handled big engines for the fuel efficiency. So you know it's never one thing in an aviation accident, but when you look at Boeing, every. The engineers were pressed to get that airplane into service. They were pressed to cut corners. They were pressed to dumb it down. They were pressed not to tell the uh, FAA, or, or they did tell, but not airlines about the MCAS system. To me, all these point into a very flawed design. And if I'm a passenger, I have zero interest in flying on a 737 MAX. I don't care what the software has been improved. The fact that you need a system to take over because you've designed an inherently unstable aircraft in and of itself 
sounds loads of warning sirens. When we come back from Sun and Fun, now that I'm on my soapbox, we will be joined by Mark Baker, the CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. We're coming to you front and center from the flight line at the AOPA tent. We appreciate their great hospitality. And Mark, a fellow cigar connoisseur and aviator, longtime friend, will be joining us around the corner. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Day. Cigar connoisseurs and enthusiasts love going into their retailer's humidor and seeing what's new, what's exciting. It's like a kid in a candy store. And we've got a great way that you can enjoy and sample fabulous cigars from incredible manufacturers. It's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Every month, you will receive three fantastic cigars in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch shipped directly to you for $22.95. Now, in... The past year, we've had incredible selections. We had the world of Davidoff, which featured an Avo and a Davidoff Winston Churchill. We've had cigars from A.J. Fernandez, from Rocky Patel, from Placencia, Drew Estate, Sindicato, Fonseca. Incredible cigars that you will love. Become a member of the Officers Club today. Join now. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You will absolutely love it. We remind you that today's flight is 100% cigar-friendly. Tampering with, debating, and destroying the enemies of pleasure is encouraged. Light up and relax as your five-star pilot, Cigar Dave, has more from the flight line. And we continue from sun and fun. What a gorgeous day. Just being around airplanes and aviation-related activities and aviation-related personnel. And one of the great champions for general aviation and student pilots and those of us that enjoy the freedom of flying the American-friendly skies, Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, also publisher of AOPA Pilot Magazine and FlightTrainingMagazine.com. And also, I should say, our landlord uh, for our broadcast today. Once again, you've been very generous in allowing us to use your Wi-Fi and your facilities from the AOPN, uh, AOPA Pavilion here at Sun and Fun, and we greatly appreciate it, Mark. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us out here today, and we do enjoy your energy here at Sun and Fun. It's, uh, it's something I look forward to every year is sitting down and talking about good things in aviation. Aviation, we got you some cigars. I know you yes, live down in the I Keys. Do, I do. Exactly. It looks like you got some good ones here, too, man. I do. Got some yeah. nice Alex. Actually, that one yeah. came from Sindicato. So try the Cubico. You're going to yeah. like that. And the Particulares, a very Cuban, uh, Cuban-esque reminiscent cigar. Really you'll, in, really you'll enjoy that. Yeah. I still have to come visit you down in the Keys. You keep saying. Flying. I know. I got to do that. I'll bring the cigars. <laughs> yeah, we'll have we'll have uh, yeah. plenty of... I'll get the stone crabs, too, because yeah. I've got... We'll go and I'll get them fishing. We'll get some fish. We'll go and get some fresh fish. Sounds like a winner. Yeah, Sounds man. like a winner. Now, you alternate between... Uh, the Keys and also in Frederick, Maryland, the right. headquarters of AOPA. Yep. Maryland in the summer, not a bad place to nope, be. Not so bad. Exactly. Not 
So, Mark, we always sit and talk about, just like the cigar industry has challenges, government interference, government relations, what's the latest for people that want to fly the friendly skies? Those of us that are private pilots, general aviation, you know, we've heard about privatization of the FAA. Is government going to stay off our backs under President Trump? You know, I think the good news is that there's a huge demand in the airline side, but not just the airline side, for jobs. And uh, they call it the workforce issues in every part of aviation. If I was a young person in high school or somewhere along that line, you got to go into aviation. I mean, there's never been a better career opportunity financially, as well as more fun than anybody else can do in any of their other jobs. And the government now sees us, by the way. They are really working with us on our high school education program. we got to figure out how to help flight schools be better. We need more examiners out there. But the good news is, Dave, one of the things that's really interesting is the number of active pilots actually jumped up by 40,000, 50,000 here in the last couple of years. Between the basic med, we talked about that a couple of years right. ago, 47,000 people flying on that, got the government out of the way on that one, so you work with your own doctor. Um, Rusty pilots back at six, ten thousand 10,000 of those here recently. Uh, more private pilots getting their license this year than any time in the last 20 years. Really? What yeah. do you attribute that to? Well, I think that there is careers, but I think the economy is good. You know, the economy right. is really good, and, and I think people are now looking and saying, I want to do that. Why not now? So it's a, it's a time to get into aviating, and it's never been a better time if you want to do it as a career. Well, we've got Captain Eric here, who's an Airbus A330 international captain, and he started as a private pilot back in college, Cessna 150. High school. High school, yeah, high school. Yeah, Cessna, senior high school. Cessna 152 here. Mark, what did you learn on? I bought a Cessna 150 from a farmer in Rice Lake, Wisconsin for 4400 bucks. I had to sell my Dodge van in 1977 to get it done. That uh, was a chick <laughs> magnet back then, that Dodge van, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it was. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Uh, but, yeah, but I, had, I gave up on that to get my Cessna 150 and to get started on it. And, you know, and flying it for, at that time, it really almost break, broke the bank when gas went from 70 cents a gallon to a dollar. Uh, what we'd wish for a dollar for a gallon of uh, aviation gas, sav gas. On the other hand, I was making two twenty nine an hour, so you know a little different. That, that's exactly right. But you know, we see people who are start as general aviation pilots that become airline pilots, and we need that feeder system. We need to continue that, and I think it's good that the FAA, after the uh, Colgan Air uh, uh, crash in outside uh, of Buffalo, said we need to have more experienced pilots, and the way to do that build up time, like the old days where people would say, i got a flight instruct or I'm going to work you know, uh, uh, for a private company in the right seat, building time, experience. You wouldn't go to a surgeon and say, hey, it's your first day out of med school, have at it. No, <laughs> you want a guy that's that's been uh, taught under someone as an apprentice, if you will, as a resident intern for a number of years. And the good news in today for a young person wanting to get into aviation, if that's your idea for a career for flying, you can actually make a few bucks while you're a flight instructor. You know, not too many years ago, you flight instructed for not a lot of money, but today you can make 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour flight instructing, which it allows you to continue to reinvest in all your other ratings while you're making enough money to get by, which gives you the opportunity then to either go in the regionals or, or the airlines. The big difference today is people always thought that this was a, a path through the military. The military doesn't have enough of their own pilots today. So, right. so the general aviation world is one's going to drive the numbers from you know, we fell down to 15,000 privates a year, now over 20. 
But if you're really going to start to see 30 or 40,000 licenses a year, it's going to come through general aviation. So we had Jason Shepard of M0A.com. He is revolutionized. I'm sure you remember, and they're still around, John and Martha King. Yeah, I, I bought their courses. <laughs> yeah, great folks, and, and I always enjoyed their style. But you have a younger guy, Jason, came in and said, we're going to be a freemium model. We're going to put loads of content available, technology that wasn't there 10 years ago Correct. with YouTube and 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 uh on your phone and Instagram. And so now what's happened is we're seeing a newer generation of technologically savvy people saying, yeah, I'd like to get into that. They start watching his videos, they buy his course, and now what we're seeing is people that are that can get information easily easier today than you did when you and I started to fly way back. And I know that AOPA is a wonderful resource, and there are many resources for people that know nothing about flying but want to learn. Tell us about those. Yeah, AOPA.org, if you go online, will give you a place to start about how do you understand how to evaluate a flight school? How do you figure out what you should be expecting to spend to get your, your private's license? It was interesting talking to Jason the other day, too. He's got about 80% of his people coming through his classes that are just want to be GA pilots, and they right. want to just fly, which is what we obviously encourage, both whether they come from the airline world or they just want to stay in GA. But those resources that are available to you to tell you where the flight schools that have been successful and the stuff that you can do to learn to be safe. And we constantly try to remind pilots, we are the ambassadors for the general public that don't know much about aviation and aviation safety. Unfortunately, news at 11 doesn't help us, but right. yet it's a very small number. And we've got a very safe system. We've got a system in America that's not unequaled in the world for access to where you can go. You can go from Florida here to Seattle without talking one time on the radio if you want to. Now, I am an instrument-rated pilot. I like talking to air traffic control because I like being in the system. And in the event there is an emergency, I'm talking to an air traffic controller at one of the centers or approach control. But what is amazing is I can file my flight plan. I can get all the weather data. Now with uh, iPad applications and ForeFlight and all the technology, both on the ground and in the cockpit, I don't get a separate bill to file a flight plan, get a weather briefing. I don't get a bill in the mail like in Canada or in Europe <laughs> or China. I pay a tax for every gallon of Avgas, aviation fuel that I buy. It's automatically in there. I don't have to submit a report. I don't have to worry about a quarterly filing. And the last number of years, we've seen people want to privatize the FAA and go to a NAV Canada system. Why is that bad? It's a really bad idea. We Aside have, from the obvious, which I just <laughs> explained. It's a really bad idea. You know, generally when we talk about privatization, we talk about smaller government. I actually think this would wind up with bigger government because it would be people collecting all these fees at different levels and right. all those things. The idea that we were going to create a, a board and be centric to about 300 airports that are used by the airlines was a problem. We've got this great national resource called 5,000 public use airports around this country. And we've got 200,000 general aviation airplanes running around this country. About 15,000 airliners. So while well, the airlines move about 750 million people a year through the course of the year, we would still move about 170 million people a year go through some kind of a ride in a general aviation airplane. Really? So, yeah. So it's a pretty significant part of the, either the business movement, recreational movement, going to see your family, whatever it is, flight training. Um, there is a significant economic issue with general aviation in this country, which is totally unique to any other part of the world. So we wanted to protect that freedom. We want to work on the things with the airlines, which I do, on, on next-gen communications and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, we saw it in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, Albert uh, Whitted Airport. Former mayor wanted to close it down and develop it, and AOPA led the fight. And he finally came around saying, you know what? This is a big economic driver for downtown St. Petersburg. And it went to a vote, 
and an overwhelming majority of citizens in St. Pete said, don't touch that airport. That's right. So that is a good thing. We'll continue with Mark Baker, the president, CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, and I should say also more importantly, a fellow alpha and cigar connoisseur, as we continue from the flight line at Sun and Fun in Lakeland, Florida. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door. When you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club for just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away Alpha males travel in style Whether by land, sea, or the air From the Sun and Fun International Expo in Lakeland, Florida your aviator-in-chief, Cigar Dave. The official start of the Aviation Expo and uh, flying season, if you will, is officially upon us. And it starts in Lakeland. And if you are listening to us either on our flagship in the Cigar City of Tampa on 102.5 FM The Bone or WDBO in Orlando, you are just about 30 minutes from Lakeland, the, su- the site of Sun and Fun. You need to pop over. It goes on the rest of today, Saturday, and tomorrow, Sunday. Great way to spend a day. Beautiful weather around aviation. Captain Eric, I don't know if you see that. That is a, 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 a former 747 Rolls-Royce RB211 turbofan engine that has now been made into like a little guest transporter. <laughs> We've posted pictures in the past. Yeah, what's you, the smoke coming from there? Well, it's simulation. You see oh, okay. everything here at Sun and Fun. Mark <laughs> Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, joins us. Mark, let me ask you. People fly in. A lot of people always ask me. They go, so how does it work? You're a private pilot. You fly your plane to an airport. Like, is there a landing fee? Do you have to pay to park? Why don't we talk about that model? It's called the FBO, a fixed base operator that provides various services. You know, the the market works pretty well for the most part. There's about 5,000 public use airports in this country. There's about 3,000 different FBO or fueler systems in this country. 
And for the most part, at the large majority of the airports, you can come and go, and there's either a small overnight fee to park your airplane. It could be $10 or $15 uh, at a lot of these municipally-owned airports. And we find that to be pretty fair. Some of the bigger airports, there is a two or three, and we hope, more for FBOs because it's competition, ideally, uh, keeps the market fair. Uh, their costs are a little higher in some of these urban markets, so we recognize that. So the fuel prices. West Palm Beach, <laughs> nine bucks a gallon, eight and a half bucks a gallon. Three, three competitors. <laughs> no, no pricing whatsoever. There's no competition there. It's all high. Well, you bought the really high. good gas, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's only one kind of gas. But anyway, uh, so we want to hold those operators and those cities and airport sponsors responsible. Because when the FAA and the taxpayer built these 5,000 public-use airports with taxpayer money, largely out of the air, air, transport uh, fund. Uh, the idea that you know we can have a perpetual system here that, that is paid for by fuel taxes and represents access for the public. That's why I call it a port. It's not a private airport, it's a port. Right. No different than a seaport. And you know, reasonable fees are accepted, uh, non-discriminatory fees, so it can't really charge differently from one airplane to another, from one user to another are part of the requirements for them to continue to get their AIP funding, airport improvement funds. And we don't think in some cases that's been as um, well uh, managed from the FAA on down. I've been very disappointed with this group within the FAA. Uh, this is their job, the airports division. And we have met uh, a number of times and uh, we plan to hold them accountable for their role in making sure that it's fair, um, not discriminatory, and create public access to these airports. And uh, that's the way the system works. We want people coming in doing business, coming in and see their family, coming in and going at reasonable prices. We want the FBO industry to be profitable because without a profitable FBO sure. industry, we won't have them. We don't want that. But we want it to be fair. It doesn't make sense for one area to be $9 a gallon and 30 miles away for it to be $3 a gallon. Right. And again, when the public taxpayer is funding putting the bill for much of these improvements, you're exactly right. And you don't have, you have to remember, you talk about all the thousands of airports that are in this country. You have some small towns where if somebody is ill, an air ambulance flies in. They don't have to go. If somebody lives in rural Georgia, they can be flown from that area to Atlanta or another big city. They don't have to drive two, 300 miles to a big airport to get commercial service. People forget there's so many small cities and towns that have these airports and i know because i fly into them and find different places to go for lunch or even for business i'm able to fly into different places that i don't have to go into the big city airport but is actually closer to where i'm doing business so it really is uh we're, we're very fortunate to have all these thousands and thousands of airports and many people think oh there's only like 100 airports 200 in the country not so at all. That's right. These thousands of airports, and we've worked now with Congress in creating a, a new energy level about reinvesting in some of these regional airports that are disaster relief airports, whether they be Santa Monica for earthquake or, as we saw last year down in the Keys, where we had to use Marathon and Key West because the road was closed for 10 days. The only way in and out was through an airplane. That's right. And water supplies, all those kind of things. We've seen it in New Jersey. We've seen it in Texas. The only way in and out of these disaster relief areas, current flooding in Nebraska. Panama we, City. Yes. That's it. it. That's right. You've got to bring things in. And that's when they really realize what a jewel that the public airport is. Yes. And it's paid for already by the taxpayer a long time ago. That's right. Most freest system in the world. <laughs> I love it. I don't have to file any reports. I don't get a bill at the end of the month. Every The more I fly, the more fuel I use, the more I pay. That's right. That's fair. That is a very fair system. Don't, I don't need any more paperwork. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mark Baker, the president and CEO of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. As always, wonderful to have you. Wonderful to see you. Thank you for the hospitality. We, I'm telling you, next fall, we have to do, I'm coming down to the Keys to see you. Great. 
We will do some cigars. We'll do some stone crabs. Yep. And uh, shoot the bull a little bit. Talk aviation. Talk about the good life. The good life. All good. See you then. All right. Mark Baker of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. When we come back, the final and concluding segment from the 45th Annual Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, we're joined by John Lights Leanhouts, the CEO. What a fantastic gathering of about 300,000 aviation enthusiasts, pilots, people that just enjoy being outside and being around airplanes. We'll be joined by Lights and wrap it up from the flight line around the corner. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door. When you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club for just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner, or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth, it will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General warning, cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. The Cigar Dave Show is available 24-7, 365 via the Cigar Dave mobile app for Android, iPhone, as well as Amazon Kindle. You don't need to be in front of a radio. You just need to have your mobile device ready to go. And you can listen to me take on the enemies of pleasure. Talk about the alpha male good life as we talk cigars, spirits, diversions, grilling, everything associated with the alpha male good life. So go download the Cigar Dave mobile app today, presented by Diamond Crown. And you can listen to the show live, noon to 2 Eastern time, anywhere around the world. And as soon as the show is done, we run a continuous loop. The show is also available on demand. Also our Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and the ability for you to record a message and send it directly to us. So go right now, if you've got an Android, an iPhone, or the Amazon Kindle, Go and download the Cigar Dave mobile app presented by Diamond Crown. Never miss a minute of a Cigar Dave show with the Cigar Dave mobile app. Command Center Alpha has taken to the skies today. From the annual Sun and Fun International Fly-In and Expo, your sky pilot of alpha male pleasure, Cigar Dave. What an absolutely gorgeous way to spend an afternoon. Beautiful weather, warm, being around the scent of jet fuel, avgas, the sound of planes buzzing in the air, flying with their uh, turbojet engines, and just people having a good time, walking around, smiling, being around aviation. And there is a man that we have to end the show with, only appropriate. 
There's no such thing as lights off with our next guest. It is always lights on. John Lights On Leanhouts, the president and CEO of the Sun and Fun International Flying and Expo, year eight lights. Great to have you back. The enthusiasm, the energy continues. Captain Eric lived in Tampa for 27 years. Yes. Has never been to a Sun and Fun. I made him come. I know, is it? And what did you think, Captain Eric? Tell him. It's just like you said. Everybody is in such a good mood here. It's fantastic. <laughs> everybody in this area. Well, of course, everybody from all over the nation are here. But I mean, it's everybody needs to be here. It's fantastic. Everybody is here. That's anybody. <laughs> all right. And we're gonna have what uh, when it wraps up today's Saturday. When it wraps up tomorrow Sunday, what three hundred thousand people, something like that. Absolutely, they come from all over the world. Every state in the nation is represented here. Whether it be coming in on the airliner or their own airplane or they're driving in, they come from all over. It's a phenomenal collection of great people that love the spirit of aviation and we share that without limitations this is fun central this is happy town this is aviation heaven this is where you come to get your juices flowing and get re-energized in the world of aerospace aviation drives us it makes the world smaller it makes the world work and we're the ones that making it fun while it's working Lights, you need to work on your enthusiasm a little bit. It's kind of waned uh, over the last eight years, but we'll work on that, you know, for next year. Now, let's talk about really, you know, today with all the security after 9-11, you can't just walk up on a tarmac and go next to an airplane. Here, people are touching airplanes. They're climbing into airplanes. They're on the flight line seeing these incredible aerobatic shows. They're in the exhibit booths. This is there's nothing else like it. This starts really the uh, aviation season, if you will. But the great thing is this goes to a phenomenal cause, supporting the Aerospace Center for Excellence. Kids that take an, uh, really a, an interest in aviation at a very young age, and we've got student Luke over here. Tell Student Luke, where do you hear this about his, his aviation ratings? Luke, tell us. Well, 18 years old, and I already have my private pilot's license and instrument rated about a month ago. Congratulations. Thank Way you. to go. I mean, think about that, Lights. I don't know what age you started flying, but I would have loved to say at 18, I've got my instrument rating ready to go. Oh, well, no, none of us had the money for that. I was no still way. trying to pump gas just to put enough uh, fuel in my car to chase down my next girlfriend. So, yeah, there was, no, there was no money for that kind of flying stuff. And, that's, and you're absolutely right, Dave. The neat part about this is they all come here for the love of aviation, but at the end of the day, they're making a donation in the future. They're investing. They're investing in the aerospace industry by helping us provide pathways for these young men and women to get over that original expensive hurdle to get into the aviation world. But once you're over it, what we're finding is they get a private license to become an airframe and power plant mechanic or an avionics electrician or go into college. Once you get down that road, that one step forward, all of a sudden you, they start picking up steam and they'll take over and they get it done. But get, this, is, this event, this giant fundraiser, fuels that jet carrying those kids, those young men and women, into the future of aerospace. Lights, even though Sun and Fun is one week, and I know you get no sleep during the week, that I know, <laughs> but this is a 52-week job. I mean, this this is not, this is the 45th year, and I can tell you, the last eight years, every year it gets bigger and better, better attendance. You're always improving it. It never ends. It can't, because if you slow down for one second, you're going to get passed. And we're not in the business to beat anybody else out of the game. We just want to make this the best, enjoyable, rewarding experience for anyone that loves aviation. So we struggle with uh, all the things we do wrong during this. So at the end of this event, we're going to go back and figure out 
What could we have done better? We get guests that give us ideas. We see things we could do better. And we start working on that day one for the next year's show. It's going to be Monday morning when we close after the Sunday night uh, uh, tail dragger. But what you got to understand is this is a vibrant, live, exciting events center. We are a KOA campground now for 52, really? 51 weeks. I didn't we, know that. We are a fairgrounds for 51 weeks. We are a convention center for 51 weeks. We'll do 100 events on this campus between now and the next year's show. I had no idea. Give us some examples of some of the events that will go oh, on. Carlisle, Pennsylvania brings a four-day car show down here. They'll do 450 classic cars across the auction block in two days. Thousands of cars out here. Never knew that. 1,500 vendors selling car parts. We do a preempt to go to uh, the big AKC uh, dog show up in New York. They do the four-day event down here. The dogs that win here, they go there. We do gun show. And we refer to those as Armament Expos. Armament, Armament Expos. We, we, we say guns here on the Cigar Dave show. It's okay. <laughs> so we do gun shows. We'll do six gun shows that are three days long all throughout the year. We do uh, giant thousand-person weddings, receptions, uh, company events out here. It just... We are the, the Wait number. Wait a minute. I could, I could have had my bar mitzvah here? You could have <laughs> had knew? the bar mitzvah. <laughs> Who Get, knew? And guess what? This is where they do the Florida State Barbecue Championship. Oh, oh wait, wow. when is that? Wow. That is the last weekend in January. All right, we're marking that down, Steve-O. <laughs> Sergeant Steve, we're coming back here. Lights, we're going to get all the info all for you. We're, we'll do a show. We want to come here. How many people? How many grills? 35,000 people will come to the barbecue. It's a, it's a Friday afternoon, evening, and all day Saturday. And the competition is big bucks. Well, we have Myron Mixon, the number one barbecue in the world, was in here, and he didn't even win. You haven't met. <laughs> Colonel Ange from the Pooch Pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations. When Colonel Ange comes down, look out, man. Nobody comes a close second. So I didn't realize that, and this is right on the air, we're on the south end of the airport, of Lakewood right. Linner Airport, that this is vibrant 51 weeks out of, 52 weeks out of the year. Yeah, almost. absolutely. We'll do the we'll do uh, the Family Motor Coach Association rally down here. They'll bring in 600 motor coaches. They'll pack this place, and it goes for five Was days. Was it always like this? No. Or under you? I got here in 2011. They were doing one event a year, one. the fly-in, one event. Now we do 100. Now the door, now the, the cash doors are, are flowing, and we have become what they call a social enterprise. So we have a capital company. We rent the facility. We make money, and we put it into a social event. It's called education, aerospace education for the students. That's why we're able to put in over $500,000 annually into scholarships. We're doing three private pilots a month. Who does that? Nobody does that. And it's all because everybody comes to this event. We're all, guess how many people do all this? 27. 27 people on the payroll. So you are lean. We You're are a lean, lean, lean fighting machine. We dump down to fighter weight and we're kicking ass. All right? Now, let me ask you this. There's, when we come in, there is a school. There's an academy there. Isn't that's our there high a, school. That's the high school. Right. So that's how ours. many students are in the high school? 356 right now, of which of the 356 students, we've got 220 of them are in the Junior Air Force ROTC. Uh, this, that school is an is a academy. It's a workforce academy. It's all sciences. I'm sorry you couldn't. You would want to go there because they don't have band. They don't have art. But you wouldn't. So you wouldn't go there. I didn't go to band camp. Uh, <laughs> lights. Okay. Let's just get that straight. All right. No band camp for me. So those students and, and they're top quality. They all carry a 2.75 grade point or better. We have 100% graduation. They all wear the uniform they chose to wear. They all have a chance for scholarships to fly, to fix, and go to college. We give out uh, about five $5,000 scholarships every year. And once you get the first one, you get three more for three more years. So our students are able to leave here, go to college, and leave with, that's right, no debt, no debt, walking right into a great career in aviation. That is fantastic. What if somebody wants to get into aviation management? 
Uh, right here. Matter of fact, the school that Luke's going to has a, a professional course in aviation technician management. So they come out of here with their AMP license. They go over to the college. They learn how to manage it, and they can start their own AMP shop. Outstanding. So really, giving into the future and all the money's raised goes right back into aviation. Aviation education continuing. So all these students are going to come back. One of them may have your job down the road. When Let's you hope so. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you, you've got probably enough gas in the tank for about another 400 years, so you're good. <laughs> but when you say, you know what, I think I'm just going to kick back and uh, enjoy a little bit, do a little more flying. Because I know you were a military aviator. Yes, sir. 27 years of uh, Navy, K Navy, uh, Navy uh, aircraft carriers. You know, as I said, it's a haze gray and underway is the only way. So I spent 10, uh, 27 years, 10 cruises on uh, 10 different carriers all around, sailed on every ocean on the planet, been to every continent, and had a wonderful life meeting the best people all around the planet. Now, we did have an old saying up on the ready room board up there. It said, join the Navy, fly to exotic uh, countries, meet interesting people, and kill them. But you know, we only did if they were bad. <laughs> only if they were bad. <laughs> only if they were bad, exactly. And Lights, tell us how you got that nickname. We've talked about it before. <laughs> Lights. Hey, you know, everybody's going to get a nickname sooner or later. The Navy doesn't let you pick your own because that wouldn't be fair. I'd be Viper, right? Well, that wasn't going to work. So my last name is Leadhouse. And they go, well, you know, that sounds an awful lot like a lighthouse. But wait a minute, you're making so many stupid mistakes. I think the lights are out in that house. We're going to call you Lights Out. Lights and Out. So I was Lights Out for about three years until I stopped making mistakes. Because you got to understand, in naval aviation, we're really brutal to each other. You just The debriefs from every mission, is they just, we chew each other up. But it makes you stronger, makes you better, makes you smarter, makes you more professional. So that part of that is they get, you give you a really bad name and you learn to you fight your way out of it. Because you're not going to get rid of it until you start getting smarter. And... Lights is what everybody calls. Nobody calls you John. No, it's lights. It's lights. Everybody's hey, I gotta go lights. lights again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're like Tiger. I mean, nobody knows him by Elrod. What is it? Elrod, Eldrick, something. Yeah, Eldrick. Right. It's Tiger. It's it's lights. So, so it's, hey, you, you want to know something really interesting? We just found out the other day. This is going to be a cool number. It's going to blow your socks away. So I told you about all the stuff we're doing, all those uh, 100 events we do throughout the year. And we're doing all these students that are flying. So there's a lot of flight activity now, what we never used to have. Because I got 50 students right now that are in the pipeline learning to fly on our dime. 50 in the pipeline. So guess how much flying is going around? So we're bringing in jobs. We're bringing in gas prices that go down. So they did a research study, six months, for 2018. You know what they found our economic engine was? Right here in Central Florida, Sun and Fun, the Aerospace Center for Excellence, drives $249 million wow. of economic wow. impact to the region on an annual basis. That is huge. And I'll tell you, before you got here, things were iffy with Sun and Fun, and you came in and really righted the ship. Tell us how you got the gig. Because really, you know, it's kind of out of the blue. It was. My wife and I were going to retire, jump on a Harley, start riding around the country. I was retiring from uh, Northrop in my second career, and it was done. And then a friend of mine emailed me and says, there's a job with your name on it down at uh, Lakeland. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's it. No, I didn't even know there was a job open down there. So I looked online. Sure enough, I sent in a resume that says, too late. We've already closed out the, uh, got 180 applicants. I said, well, okay, I'm done. And then I waited a couple of weeks, and I got a, a letter in the mail. said, you made it in the top 30. Well, that's pretty cool. That sounds like fun. Then next thing I know, I get a phone call. You're in the top 10. Then I got a call and says, hey, how about an interview on a Thursday? I go, oh, I got to be in uh, Las, uh, Los Angeles for a Northrop meeting. Oh, well, okay, too bad. See you later. Click, hang up. Wait another day or two, get a call back. How about Friday? I said, okay, Friday is it. I'm coming to a birthday party in Tampa. I might as well come on down. We'll get you a hotel room. No, don't waste your money. I'm not going to get the job. I'll pay it on my own dime. So I come down, go to the interview, 
give them a ration. They, were, they asked me a bunch of questions, and they asked me, what do you think? Have you got any questions? I go, yeah. Whose bright idea was it to move that damn thing up into March? My buddy's up north of the Mason-Dixon line, can't get down here. And they're like, oh, that was a bad idea. Yeah, I tell you it was a bad idea. Right. So I figured at that moment I'm done. All I'm going to get is a couple of VIP tickets. So I go to the hotel, and uh, we're sitting there at the bar, and next thing you know I get a phone call from uh, the guy who was the headhunter, and he says, uh, you want the job? And I go, well, you got two more to interview on Monday. And he goes, do you want that job or not? It's yours. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and you moved from Jacksonville down to Lakeland. Right. Moved to ja- from Jacksonville to Lakeland uh, in August. Didn't have a place to stay. The chairman of the board uh, had a ranch out on the north side. He had a double wide. We moved into trailer trash, and we were just having ourselves a good old time. <laughs> we lived out there for nine months and built a house, built a house here on the south side of Lakeland and uh, never looked back. And we keep a house in Jacksonville because our kids and grandkids are up there. So we got a 64 Comanche, and we zip back and forth uh, uh, to see them on the weekends and stuff now. Well, I'll tell you what. I need, when things quiet down a little bit here, I'm going to fly Alpha Army 1 here to Lakeland. Let's have lunch here. On me. No, 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 no. I'll take you to lunch. Don't worry about it. And we'll have a great time. I'm and then, all about And it. then what we need to do is I'll drive here when I'm going to stay overnight, and we'll have some cigars and some libations. Now, if you're really serious about that, yes. I'll bring you the inner sanctum of Trader John's Flyboy Bar and Aero Club, Done. which is the number one personally owned bar in Lakeland. It's in my house. You can <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Even better. Casa, Casa Lights. Casa Lights. It's a beautiful it's- thing. Well, you've done a magnificent job, Lights. There's a reason that they hired you, the infectious personality, the energy, and it shows in Sun and Fun. Congratulations right. again. Thank Student you. Luke, congratulations Thank to you. you. Captain Eric, many thanks. And uh, Sergeant Steve, great job as always. What a delight to come from the flight line at Sun and Fun. I could do this 52 weeks out of the year. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And may your landings be smooth, squeaky, and ultra-greased so the passengers don't feel a thing like being on Alpha Army One and a magic carpet ride. <laughs>